0: DeFi darling and blue chip, blue chip platform curve. Finance was drained for roughly $50 million with a lot more at risk. And of course, the risk of the CEO and founder being liquidated on a $200 million loan that was taken in shitcoin CRB that he used to buy two mansions, which could collapse all of DeFi. And if that wasn't enough, Richard Hart has been sued by The SEC for securities, fraud, and of course, launching unregistered security right before his movie that's going to embarrass all of us is coming out. And in the meantime, ball the token on the new base protocol from Coinbase, pumped 4 million percent, and then rug pulled, and died before people could even access base protocol, and now people think that SBF or someone from Alameda is behind it, and crypto is fucking embarrassing. I'm going to talk about it with Michael Fastinello. Now with Charlie Burton in the bat to look at charts and trades. Didn't want to get up out of bed this morning when I read the news, but here we are. Let's talk about it. That's dope. What is up everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of Wall Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hang your head in shame on the like button. You can hit like for uh, my video and my channel, but if there was a crypto button at the bottom, I would ask you to aggressively dislike that button because, wow, man, this place is embarrassing. It becomes harder every single day to defend the concepts, the protocols, The people, my gosh, it's the endless, endless, endless exploits and hacks and bad behavior by a bunch of young, rich people who do not give any shit about you. Do I still believe that it's the technology of the future? Sure, of course. There's incredible things being built. But man, are people taking advantage of it. And once again, it is retail that will suffer and be hurt by all of it. Now listen, all this is very technical, way over my head. Uh, As usual, we need a guest to help us explain. I've got Michael Fasadello. Welcome, man. How are you?
1: Yeah, it's great to be back with the wolf again. That's one of the only reasons I got up this morning, Scott.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny you pointed out right before the show as we were talking is if we want to talk about embarrassments, I think last time you were on, you went off screen and SPF came on screen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he followed me, or I followed him one or the other. (laughs)
0: yeah <laughs> uh, well, we we thought he was amazing at that time though right that was yeah. the the best guy you could get was we'll the way knight uh, for sure i i will tell you the one guy i never had on the show was richard hart i canceled a podcast with him at one point and he was in my dms and the hexagons were attacking me and telling me that they i had to get him on and uh you know, we were tempted very smart guy but you know i i dodged that one at least uh <laughs> but we we can talk about that later first i want to dig into to Curve here, right? Because there's a lot to parse. I think a lot of people viewed it as just another exploit, but as we went further down the rabbit hole, you realize how sort of incestuous all of these DeFi protocols are and that there really is sort of systemic risk if one of them fails or at least fails or gets exploited in the wrong way. For people who didn't see, Curve Finance trained to 50 million while CRV tokens sinks 12% in latest DeFi exploit. This is, you know, last updated in the middle of the night last night. So... Price action has obviously changed. There's a ton of buying right now. I'll show it on the chart later. A ton of volume. But still, I mean, this became dangerously close and still could be a big problem. Can you just give us the really broad strokes on what happens here and why it matters?
1: Yeah, absolutely. High-level executive summary. So July 31st, yesterday, um, Perfinance suffered an exploit draining roughly $70 million. Uh, The root cause was what's called a zero-day compiler bug. Uh, in the Viper language, which is used to write curved smart contracts. So I'll break that down a little bit. Zero-day bug is basically when uh, a bug is found by an attacker and there's zero time for anybody to respond to it. So no you know, incident response, no, uh, no attempts to, to mitigate. Um, that's the zero-day piece of it. The compiler bug, basically uh, it was a, a time lock or a lock that should have locked down um, the re uh, uh from, from the, the protocol uh, was faulty. So re imagine, um, you know, in its broadest context, somebody trying to jump from one subway train to another, doors are open, you know, trains are going moderately slow, easy to do. Reentrancy lots locks would have caused basically a closed door scenario where the person jumps and no matter how slow the train is going, couldn't get through. Um, re also, if you go to a bank teller, uh, you try to take out a certain amount of money, they're going to go back and check the balance in your account. Um, in this scenario, basically while the bank teller was checking the account to see if there was sufficient uh, funds to remove, the attacker was already pulling money out of the drawer. So that's the, the basic high level so everybody can understand what's going on here.
0: Yeah, as I have it here, re is a common bug that allows attackers to trick a smart contract by making repeated calls to a protocol in order to steal assets. A call is authorization for the smart contract address to interact with the user's wallet address. So basically yeah. just repeatedly attacking this wallet and taking out the funds until it's empty. I and now, from what I heard, the good news here is oh, and, and by the way, you talked about Viper language, and that's basically the bridge between Python and EVM, correct? Right. So it allows right, right. So all way over my head by the guys. By the way, guys, this is me just doing the research to try to figure it out myself. So. So why does this map, like in context of DeFi, obviously you have these DeFi pools where you have Ethereum and then you have that native token and people are using that to lend and borrow stablecoins.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, in 2022, you know, our company researched uh, the numbers and it was like 4 billion, 4 billion, in exploits, uh, DeFi hacks alone, um, 47% of those were through smart contracts. So almost, almost half of that, was like 1.8 billion. Uh, was through smart contracts alone so this is no small issue with the space um as much as you know DeFi wants to be the alternative rail of finance you know you've got the sins of the flesh in traditional finance you know you've got the greed and uh, and, and all that stuff on the other side of it you know when you pull all the humans out of it then you've got to worry about the code is the code right because when the code messes up there could be major major problems like we're seeing time and time again in DeFi.
0: right so uh for all of the hate that we get from regulators and from the outside to some degree, it's deserved because DeFi clearly isn't ready right now, right? I mean, at this point, like, why would you put a ton of money into this? And the funny thing is that I even was one of the ones who said the argument, you know, when we saw CFI collapse, Celsius and Voyager and all these. Well, DeFi came out like a shining star because the loans were, you know, every, uh, people had their margin calls. It was... Uh, liquidated in an orderly fashion. Life uh, chugged on. Smart contracts, but these smart contracts can be hacked.
1: Yeah, yep. I mean, yeah, there's so real. There, there's, right. there's there's three ways that this can can sort of proceed in in, in a healthy fashion. So there's got to be improvements to smart contract auditing and testing procedures. I mean, the the Curve hack it proves that bugs can. Slip through the even the most robust checks because Curve was Curve was no small small player in this field. I mean they 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 do their due diligence, they do their audits, and um, they usually have everything all uh, all buttoned up. So this is just one of those scenarios where the you know the hackers happen to find something that nobody else found, that it's not uncommon. You know there's always going to be a better coder, there's always going to be a better uh, hacker, and there's always going to be a more vulnerable protocol. So um, you know auditing method- methodology uh, has to continue advancing. Um, second thing I'd say like implementing responsible um vulnerability disclosure policies that give the developers uh, enough time to patch bugs before the exploits actually occur would be helpful wouldn't have that zero day situation um and then lastly you know trying to trying to have something in place um you know that that gives you a, a holistic uh, security uh, uh, protocol instead of just uh, mitigating attacks as they come have something that's actually able to you know detect and deter these things
0: yeah i think here's my biggest problem is that i fully support obviously free markets and people doing whatever they want with their money when they understand the risk but the risk here is completely unknown unknowns that somebody who's making a loan or taking out a loan cannot understand or assess how do you assess the yield like how much yield is worth the potential of a hack that you can't address that you know requires you to trust the, the platform
1: yeah, no. It's almost like if some you know if somebody's going to be issuing a loan, they should be performing the audit on the uh, on the the protocol itself of the native chain that they're looking to loan against, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll open the books in the situation. Normally, that would be a little bit questionable, but I think in this circumstance, you need to start doing that. Yeah,
0: uh, this this is from Curve Finance as a result of an issue in Viper compiler inversions. Uh, whatever. These are the pools that we have: CRV ETH. ETH. By the way, this is might as well be in Chinese. This is so stupid. Why do we need all these ETHs? I understand why, by the way, but come on. Another pool potentially affected is Arbitrum's crypto Auditors and Viper devs cannot find a profitable exploit, but please exit that one. So the good news here was that it was only pools with native ETH. Yep. Which are actually yes. not the most popular. So if this had happened on the SC ETH or whatever all these other ETHs are, I have no idea. Pools that were EVM that were direct for EVM, we would have had a much more massive exploit. So this was on the cusp of being a much bigger deal.
1: Yeah, they basically exploited the gas pools. If they had exploited the ERC twenty tokens, I mean this thing would have been so massive it would have pulled down the whole the whole house. So the whole house being all of DeFi. Uh that's the broader stroke, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about why everybody's actually freaking out with this on top of what we've already seen here, right? I'm going like, to go through these. Curve Founders, 168 million stashes under stress, creating a risk for DeFi as a whole. So there it is, right? This guy has pledged, this is the, okay, this is the genius that we're talking about who created this and is smart and protected and CRV has great people. 34% of CRV's entire market cap, he has pledged in a single loan that would be liquidated at 37 cents, right? On Ave. I think, largely. Yeah. And why did he take out this loan? To buy two mansions. It's office space, you know. Office space. Two two mansions in Australia. Here's what the house, if you guys are wondering. They're next door, though. So, you know, you one for your girlfriend and one for your wife, I guess. Maybe yeah. for when message. That's I can get on board with <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, okay. So... Yes, I'm not doubting these people are smart, that they're building these things, but this is hubris on an astounding level. Obviously, you never believed the token would go to 37 cents. It required a major exploit to send it even close. I believe it bottomed at 48 or 49, but does the guy creating DeFi not realize that using the bulk of the supply of a token that you effectively got for free as the founder for massive loans to get dollars is maybe a bad idea. Huh. Uh, you said it absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about what uh, FTX did with FTT and how this is not so dissimilar. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't think it
1: is at all. Right. So they were they were borrowing against their own native token uh, and and certainly commingling customer funds. Uh, as well in order to do that and in this scenario it's it's everything except i guess the customer funds right
0: yeah so basically they create a token you then give yourself hundreds of millions of dollars worth it Mm -hmm. worth of it and then you use it for a massive loan so what would happen if crv was liquidated here because this is a smart contract guys you don't this isn't the situation where like You know, if a billionaire is going to get liquidated or margin called, they call the bank, we'll work something out, they'll send over some more collateral. Come on, guys, you know me. I'm good for it. My yacht over in the uh, Caspian Sea will uh, cover it if you guys need. That doesn't work here. If you hit that trigger price, it's a wrap. Yeah. Okay, so what happens? What do you got for me, Scott? Well, you, okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, it sells off all of this CRV on the open market. Yeah. As far as I understand it. So you dump 34% of the fly, of the supply of CRV immediately on a completely illiquid market where there's no interested buyers, right? The buyers are setting a floor above here to prevent this liquidation, right? Because you, Justin Sun stepped in, as usual, by the way. I think I read that Justin Sun got to buy the tokens of OTC at 41 cents when it was trading at 55 cents. What a hero, right? But he stepped in. There's a huge floor on Binance below this. But if this got liquidated, CRV goes to fucking zero. Abe goes close to zero. COP goes close to zero because it causes yet another liquidation cascade of every coin, including the blue chip, sending it down because DeFi can't handle a 168 or $200 million depending on the price liquidation.
1: Yeah, it's run after run after run. We saw that with the with, uh, three hours capital Celsius, Voyager, all that. It just dominoes.
0: Yeah, I love what this person said this shit is made just making the case for SEC. What the fuck is wrong with all these people? I was in the uh, crypto town hall chat this morning. If this isn't a bo- bottom signal, uh, Mario, I-, I was tweeting, I was messaging with everybody in there, and I said, is it possible the SEC was like sarcastically, obviously dot dot dot, kind of right, you know? And I do, I've said this a million times. I hate Gary Gensler's approach. I hate the way he's doing regulation by enforcement. I hate their approach, crypto general. But 99% of this shit is scams and it's a casino and should well, go to zero.
1: When,
0: when DeFi touches traditional finance enough that people
1: are actually, you know, doing ICOs and doing, uh, you know, formal like loans against these things uh, involving the U.S. dollar, that's all right. Let the SEC step in. It's their territory. But, you know, when it's dealing with just overall crypto and them just blanket saying everybody that's in crypto is looking to make money. So for that reason, under the Howey Test of Security, that's. That's just such a stretch of the law that to me I mean as a, as a previous uh well, one of my character flaws is being a lawyer, so <laughs> I mean to me, it's just obtuse, but
0: okay, so listen i I, I don't even know, like I, I don't even know that I want to talk about this, but everybody obviously trying to short this uh, because the, the natural instinct of a trader is let's go liquidate this guy and short it to zero and make a ton of money. But as I said, that sort of put it afloor. So if you look at the uh, CRV chart. I have right here as I click through all these things. I mean, if you were just blindly looking at this chart as a trader and not paying any attention to news, this is like the biggest buying interest you've ever seen on anything after a drop right here at support. So I get it. There's a lot of buying interest here stepping in, but I feel like you could find other assets if you're dying to uh, if you're dying to to participate. But listen, now that we've talked about CRV. And we know that we could have crashed all of DeFi effectively yesterday, but maybe we're out of the woods. I want to show you a, a movie, Michael. I don't know if you've seen this yet. No, it's a good But the new news broke yesterday that uh, Richard Hart, finally, being sued by the SEC. Effectively, the claims are one, the obvious, which is that he launched unregistered security, right? And so I people are saying, that can't be. XRP is not security. Guys, the secondary sale, programmatic sale of XRP is not security it's very clear that the launch of XRP and the initial sale to institutions was. People coming out, the the Stockholm syndrome in this space is insane. The hexagons still defending him, saying that they sacrificed their money. They didn't invest it. And that's the language that Richard used. So obviously it's not not a security if he says you're sacrificing your money. But they're saying that not only did he uh, commit the sin of an unregistered security offering, I don't really care about that, but then he then took user funds out of that and bought things like the world's biggest black diamond, uh, some cars, famous uh, videos of him walking out of Louis Vuitton with all the bags, flaunting the wealth in everyone's face. And then, the, if you if you read deeper into the claim, it talks about how Richard Hart, basically either himself or with other whales, took the funds that were coming in, these massive amount of eats, and recycled it in and out of the contract to look like more people were buying, to pump it up further, to say, hey, look, everybody, look how many people are depositing. What a party. Come on in. Right. So I'm seeing a lot of conjecture. I'll go to jail. To be very clear right now, this is the SEC, which means it is civil. There's no DOJ. There's no uh, you know, uh, Southern Department of New York U.S. attorney yet coming after. Although if this is fraud, that could likely happen. But I want to show you a movie because apparently they made a movie about Richard Hart and it's coming out in like three days. So let's let's look at the trailer and see if you feel super psyched to be in crypto right now. Okay, we are set for you, Richard. What do you want people to know about you? I got a big dick. This here is $3.1 million watches. I <laughs> know the world's
1: biggest diamonds. You doubt I do. Who is Richard Hart? Genius.
0: Legendary. It's arrogant. Bit of a narcissist. The benevolent king. Quarter million. Hate me. Hate me. I'm farther than you'll ever be in your whole life.
2: Who does this guy think he is?
0: Whatever the governments have been doing, it's not worked out. You've never had worse interest rates. Your money has never been worth less. Everything is getting worse. And the only thing that's making it better is cryptocurrency. I'm sorry to interrupt, but did he just say there's never been worse interest rates? <laughs> All right, okay, here we go. It's better than the dollar. It's better than gold. It's better money.
2: Than it. Crypto is money without governance, and it is money without banks.
1: You're not gonna meet another product like this as long as you live. Yes, every scammer in the world is gonna tell you something similar.
0: Good morning, everyone. Are you ready to look for some fraud this morning?
1: They are promising 40% annual percentage return. I wanna make people millionaires. I have thousands of millionaires.
0: Richard Hart's head's token is a brilliant scam.
2: Desperation has a look to you. And when you're looking for just anything, you will fall for anything.
0: X is going to be the new cryptocurrency. It will take over the market. There isn't anything else out there that's worth the shit.
2: Everything I have worked for all of my life is staked in X to it.
0: I put it all in.
2: All what? All over our house. You Why? Why is it important to you? I want to feel loved. Don't you guys want to feel loved? Everyone to feel loved, right? is sure, the Messiah. Savior, God. <laughs> that sounds like a Ponzi
0: scheme.
1: Yes, that you're incentivizing people to pull money off the market. You know what? I think he just described a 401k. If the music stops, they're sitting on nothing.
2: It doesn't make money, that's
1: where I'm still frustrated. What is the value? What is the about Do you want a vibration?
0: No, I don't think that it's a scheme. Because I trust Richard Hardboy. It seems like some of this is just a large performance art project. And if ultimately this is all a big performance art project, so people are gonna get fucked.
1: I mean, you can fool a couple people, but, I mean, can you fool that lady?
0: You're lucky it works at all. She trusts you. Uh, Listen, I think you should trust me, but if you get into the habit of trusting people like me, you get the crack scammed out of you. That's to be in movie theaters for actual human people to watch on purpose. Last statement seemed good. (laughs) I mean... What do you think of that? Seriously, like first knee jerk reaction to walking that, watching that.
1: Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're painting them a certain way and then, and then you turn around and look at the U S dollar and it's like, what's that built on either, right? Debt. So it's a shit show all around my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I just, he advertised this, that the Hex was going to a million dollars. And that it was the first blockchain certificate of deposit. Here's what the uh, I mean, the SEC doesn't always tweet unless they think the case is a really big deal. Today we charge Richard Hart, aka Richard Schuler, and three unincorporated entities that he controls, Hex Pulse Chain and PulseX, with conducting unregistered offerings of crypto asset securities that raised more than one billion in crypto assets for investors. Here's the quote: Hart called on investors to buy crypto asset securities and offerings that he failed to register. Here's the kicker, though. He then defrauded those investors by spending some of their crypto assets on exorbitant luxury goods. This action seeks to protect the investing public and hold Hart accountable for his action. So here's my problem. I can joke that the SEC is right, but how does this protect anyone? I agree he has to be punished, but how is this protecting the investing public? Because if you already own hex, you're going to go, this is going to zero and you're losing everything.
1: Totally. You know, that's the thing with all the, uh, you know, regulation by enforcement is it's not it's not positing a solution. It's just making the government richer and and you know making making a fool of the crypto industry, uh, the better parts of the crypto industry sadly as well. So,
0: yeah, you know. yeah, it's 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 disgusting. And finally, before I let you go, i I can let you go before if you don't have any thoughts on it. But have you been looking into what's happening with Bald? Uh, I don't know too much about Bald, so I'm I'm happy to listen out here with everybody. Yeah, you can you can, you can ride along for the come along for the ride. So bald, guys, in case you're wondering, was a token that was launched on BASE, which is the new Coinbase exchange, which doesn't have a token. Now, how does that even happen is the question. It's pretty complicated because BASE basically doesn't exist yet. So people who even were able to do this were not necessarily able to get their funds out because there was no bridge. But we'll start here. So Coinbase launched their main mainnet two weeks ago with a public launch coming in mid-August. And then someone found the contract address and launched a token called BALD based on the BALD head of Brian Armstrong. And obviously, this has absolutely no value. We all know that, whatever. But yeah, that's what you get in the crypto space. So it went absolutely nuts, right? And so uh, let me find it. This is the, uh, Here's a screenshot of BALD up 4 million percent in 24 hours. So there's people who were like, I put in 50 bucks, I'm worth millions of dollars, right? And saw those massive paper gains. So it rubbed completely. This is what the chart now looks like. It was at a high of 0.097, just, I don't know, like yesterday, and now at 0.006. Okay, so it's down 95% from the highs. The deployers removed all the electricity, uh, the electricity, the liquidity and got away with like $5.2 million. No surprise. So this is where it gets interesting and really stupid. Obviously, this is Coinbase. Is SPF secretly behind Ball Crypto, Twitter, debates, latest Seriously, A, I don't really care. B, I'm pretty sure that they've made a big public uh, statement that SPF only has a flip phone and no real access to the internet. But hey, we can suspend that disbelief and continue on. So as you can see... The Ball Deployer is definitely a Coinbase insider because they held traded a lot of CBE. That's a token that effectively doesn't exist yet and routed it through Coinbase. They are also definitely an FTX insider since they deposited withdrew tens of thousands of STE through FTX. And when you go back to the Deployer Fund, these are wallets that were attached to Alameda and SBF. And then you get into the fact that the Project Serum, which was obviously the DEX that went under with FTX uh, because they largely owned it, They rebranded their Twitter account overnight to uh, the Bald Base Bald, which was the person behind Bald, and started immediately tweeting about it. So somebody who had access to the Serum Twitter account changed the name. They were the person who created this rug pull token, and off it went. And then you look that the biggest Bald depositing wallet was one of the ones that attacked luna and ust to cause the d which we know was alameda uh who was involved in it and if that's not bad enough the wallet is also linked to the uh wallet that had 40 million in donations to chinese officials which is part of the SBF case that he was bribing chinese officials these are the wallets that sent that 40 million dollars to those chinese officials Ugly. So, do I think this SBF? No, but do I think that uh, somebody in Alameda who's really good at creating tokens and rut- pulling things is involved? Yeah. How? Co- is it where it's like one day? How can all this happen in a day?
1: I mean, that's crypto, baby. I'm I'm looking out for that wolf token.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's like fifty thousand of them. There's seventeen thousand of me on Twitter with uh, asking you how your crypto trading is going. So nothing would surprise me. But listen, man. So this is all uh, Debbie Downer you obviously work deeply in this space give me some positivity what are you excited about that's being uh, built outside of this complete and insane nonsense Oh, you know
1: i'm i'm really more uh, i'm i'm more on the side of what's what's being done to kind of stop some of this stuff from getting where it is so for you know for manchain ai we've got something really awesome called web3 It's a security operations center that basically would bring it would be the first uh, you know soc2 compliance framework basically for the crypto industry so you've got your, you know, detection measures, your deterrent measures, you've got your incident response, all that stuff in one package, uh, you know? So, so for me, it's like sort of how we, how can we help projects to avoid situations like curve and, and all the other ones? Um, you know, you can't, can't, can't stop people from doing what they do from the human aspect from, but at least from the, uh, from the, you know, reentrancy attacks and the flash loans and all those different things, wallet exploits, address exploits, um, you know, at least we can do our part and try to make the system more secure. From a protocol standpoint. So that's pretty exciting for me.
0: Can these things be prevented or can the black hats always get a step ahead? By the way, there was a really cool story of a white hat hacker. I have it somewhere here, but uh who was involved in this who basically went and drained the pool and then sent the money back to get Yeah, what's the what's the, was the hacker, I think, would uh drained it for what, twelve million, or was it the, the curve one? I think it was part of the curve. when I listen. I can only dig so deep into these stories, you know. But yeah, so there was coffee, someone, and they they literally dug it and they took the money out before the hackers could, which I find is really interesting. But like, can these things be prevented, or you, is it really impossible, even for companies like yours to stay ahead of this?
1: I think the the prevention uh, is in the like you know people were saying back with uh, with the SBF finance situation, proof of reserve, proof of reserve. Proof of reserve is really just a snapshot. It's a snapshot in time. So unless you're going to do that snapshot every single day, then it becomes more of what it is, which is a proof that your reserve stays consistent, right? Um, so in this case, you know, do you do an audit? Yeah, you do an audit. But do you do multiple audits? You should be doing those audits all the time. Keep keep auditing the smart contract. Keep having people look at it because eventually somebody's going to find something that that nobody else did. So it's really just a matter of having these things, you know implemented uh you know to your to your we you know in, in anti money laundering on crypto and things like that we look into what's the continuous monitoring uh patterns of the transactions um so you want to have continuous monitoring you want to have continuous auditing as well and i think that's that's going to be one of the major things that will help keep the space more secure in the future
0: i agree with you. thank you michael appreciate your insight and your help here and i'm going to make i'm going to keep sending you that video make you watch it over and over again i love it <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Have you on soon again. Thanks. Nice uh, funny, I see a comment over here. Scott, move on with more positive news or please consider taking a break. <laughs> uh, I can't change the news, guys. And I'm not going to tell you how awesome it is when it's not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you, you, I mean, you can go uh, somewhere else. You'll be missed, though. I'd love to have you back. Though. Anyways... So uh, yeah, guys. I mean, this is a shit show. Like, I'm glad that Richard Hart is being held accountable, but I'm not glad that the SEC is effectively going to uh, crash the rest of what was left of those tokens on a bunch of people. Inevitably, HEX will be delisted. People won't be able to get out. So literally, their investments are going to zero. I actually had like a slight emotional reaction when I was watching that video again. This is only the second time watching more closely here with you guys, seeing people say they went it all in with their house money. The guy saying his life savings are in HEX, like fuck. Well, Really, a disaster. It's easy to talk about these stories and how bad it is and the DeFi exploits, but these guys are really destroying people's lives. It's pretty, pretty astounding uh, and, and sad and disgusting. But hey, man, you know, I'm sure that we'll have great news tomorrow. I was laughing with the uh, crypto spaces, uh, with the crypto town hall Twitter spaces team. I was like, yesterday I was uh, interviewing a potential president of the United States. And 20 minutes later, I was having to like litigate Richard Hex, uh Richard Hart, and, and Hex, and it just shows you how insane and nonsensical this space, this space really can be. But guys, now maybe on some more optimism. Hopefully, if we have a positive view of the market, I've got Charlie Burton, one of your guys' favorite guests. As you know, we always kind of bring on a trader at the end, uh, talk about what's going on in the market. How
2: are you, Charlie? Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, it, uh, yeah, very. Uh, I don't want to say too good. Now, after having just hit, uh, caught the last few minutes of your conversation there, so uh, we do can show the video now, do we? I can play the video if you haven't watched it. yet. It's really good.
0: I don't know if you caught it, but really compelling stuff. Uh, no, okay, good. Then, then uh, I, I've saved you. You're welcome. Um, so, so listen. What are we looking at right now in the market for you? I, I guess give the broad strokes, then we can we can zoom in a bit more.
2: Um, yeah, well, when I was last on a um, few few weeks or so ago, a month or so ago, we were talking about the S&P when we were talking about the S&P and the dollar and the amount of pessimism that's there. It's funny how you know, times change and you have to um, stay on top of the markets because it seems like the, there's an element of euphoria starting to creep in. We started to see a little bit in the uh, AAII surveys and we're starting to see a lot more activity in the options market with retail traders buying a lot of cool options. So we're starting to see spikes there, and so you start well, getting thinking, okay, maybe it's time for a bit of a pullback. I don't want to start getting pessimistic or anything, but because um, as you know, we've both been bulls for most of this year. But um, but I'm, I'm a star seller. I'm selling stops. I, I'm ta- oh, I, I, I'm a seller. Yeah, no. So we we agree there. I mean,
0: I think we had the run. I, I I'm yeah. not convinced we're going to new lows or the Great Depression, as some yeah. of my guests are. But like, if you're trading or looking to maximize. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was selling Meta 314. I guess it just topped at well almost 320-something uh, yesterday but yeah, or last week. But yeah, I mean, uh, largely I had a position in that that I had started at 200-something, bought all the way down to 100, and then, uh, you know, bounced all the way way back up. But <laughs> if in this market you can make a 3X, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I don't really care what it does next, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, I feel like things are topping. I feel like we're seeing the sentiment top where bulls are extremely excited, they're yeah. uh, dunking on anyone who's been negative, the Fed openly saying there won't be a recession at all, which is effectively impossible by any metric if unemployment goes up even slightly. Just a lot of signals to me that we're kind of popping here.
2: Yeah, and um, and it's what's interesting as well, you're talking about the central banks there, is that they're all starting to turn together, aren't they? <laughs> the central banks, so uh, and start changing their rhetoric uh, together it'd be interesting to see what the PMIs are coming out in just 30 minutes time of the US what they're going to be coming out like but nevertheless um yeah I think we're in a in a position if the stock market's come down that'll probably be supportive of the dollar as well we can talk about that separately but uh but yeah it just feels like we've just in this past few weeks or so we've flipped from seeing those perma bears to people thrown in the town and starting to getting excited as you just said and uh when they start getting excited then we start having to look the other way don't we so um the S P looks right for it really we've got divergences technically do you want me to show some charts
0: yeah let's let's yeah would that's what that's what we need here charts are better than the uh, stories so we got to do that yeah i haven't seen massive bullish bearish divergence on sbx uh, no. over about here go ahead
2: yeah so we've got some just technically we've got some divergences this is just a daily chart of the s p at the moment it's just a cfd chart so it just Uh, tracks the futures um so just the standard macd down the bottom we can see we're diverging there it's probably a bit clearer if i looked at the nasdaq so you can see the nasdaq divergence there but really i love this technical channel that the s p has been in uh for much of this year and um we've been riding the top end of this channel it's always difficult i don't like trying to catch a high um but we did put those key reversals in last thursday didn't we on the back of that you you know you're you know better than expected gdp and and uh, durable goods orders and so where we made new highs close below the low of the private step the previous day so a little bit of a warning there they don't always come in as you know straight away but it's a bit of a warning um so we'll just see i i don't like trying to call an absolute top but um but i am starting to edge that certainly i would like to see a bit of a pullback and maybe if we start to see some selling coming in today it might help that's for sure so um from a technical perspective yeah i'd like to see a bit of a pullback here yeah, i mean speaking of i mean when i talk about divergence i,
0: I love trading with overbought and oversold rsi and just yeah. simple bull it's like the most simple strategy in the world it's just really consistent for me but i mean you've got the S- uh, spx right here uh overbought it doesn't get much more overbought uh, on the smp than in the mid 70s and you've got pretty clear bearish divergence right now that's building so to me just looks like eventually our side like, goes to oversold we get a you know a correction then we move on with our lives now i don't know what happens after that so i'm really just looking yeah. at this in the short term and like exactly through a trader's lens because I, i'm not i don't feel equipped at this point to make calls about like like i said market top before a recession or, or depression it's kind of above my pay grade
2: we are, we are starting to head into a period as well of um, increased volatility so from a seasonals perspective as we're starting to head into August and September, volatility is you know, historically starts to pick up. So it does time quite nicely of where we're at. But um, yeah I'm still of the view actually that if we do get a bit of a pullback, Still, I'm still of the view of I want to be a buyer on a pullback um, at some point. Now, once we get a, a a decent or if we get a decent retracement down the S&P, that's how I'm still looking at the markets myself because um, I think what will happen is very quickly we're going to get to all-out pessimism after just a couple of percent pullback. That's what's going to happen. That's right. Five percent and everybody, uh, we're going to zero. Uh, exactly. That's so,
0: inevitable. Yeah. Have, you been watch, have you been watching Bitcoin here? No. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, i wouldn't blame you but uh, i mean it's getting a little more interesting right now i mean i think it's show, showing some real reason to believe there could be a little bit more downside to me also just a dip to buy whenever we uh finish it but but yeah go ahead
2: yeah i you know that 24 25 000 mark does look interesting again actually that was a lovely pullback zone that we when we um, came into there in in june but um wouldn't surprise me if we saw um some moves back down there because i know there was a stack load of orders in the twenty four thousand area um the i'm with you that overall i think I, i'm i'm basing my base case is that um uh, bitcoin did bottom um last year and so we won't be going to new lows that's how i'm that's my overall assumption whether what we've all of. You know, the SEC rulings on the likes of and what's going on court cases wise with Binance and the likes, whether um, we're going to rip higher this year is still debatable. But as we talked about this last time, maybe 2024 looks a lot more interesting once um, a lot of that is um, cleared out of the way. Yeah,
0: I've just been looking sort of at the Bitcoin chart here, you know, the, on the daily. We had this very clear range to me in, in the red here. Again, Paris divergence with RSI, which just to me always seems to work out when you're over overbought. And now I think RSI is just going to head down. Right. And we had the break, retest, no candles able even on the four hour to close back up in that range. So to me, this is a gratuitous short if you're just trading it on a low time frame. Uh, right. Because you, you have a clear invalidation if you close a candle back up in that range. And then even this local sort of bear flag, pennant, whatever, I guess we could finish drawing it here for people. Yeah. Um, you know, that's breaking down. So, I, you know, I think we can get down to the low 28s, high 27s or something here as a result of that. But I guess that's kind of boring, right?
2: These aren't big moves. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, I do think uh, one market, as you know, I do love the dollar. Yeah, well, let's look at it because the dollar's faking out on this
0: big head and shoulders that we thought we had.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I was, as you know, I was sh- I was short the dollar. I was long euro dollar. Um, did manage to capture pretty much right when the dollar got down to one hundred. It was an obvious level to bank some profits down there anyway, yeah. uh, around the hundred area. So it was a, it was a reasonable exit. But then got trading stopped down the rest. So I'm no longer. Um, short the dollar in fact i'm long so um the dollar right now because like you say it's a lovely fake pattern um we've had these uh, two lows here big breakdown bar oops no doubt probably um sucking more shorts in and then it's just turned around fun enough on my charts with the macd down the bottom there we're diverging down the bottom there as well this is on a weekly time frame so i do see divergence yeah i do see the potential for some more upside overall on the dollar and we, when we last talked, we were talking about the range of the year for the dollar, and how you know we've seven. We're into our eighth month into the year now. The uh, the year's range is six thousand three hundred pips, and yet uh, the um, the average range is eleven thousand four hundred. There's a lot to go as far as the range is concerned for the rest of the year. So I do see plenty of scope to expand its range. So it's either got to get back down to you know, the one hundred area where it made its lows recently. Or climb all the way back up to, you know, into the one oh fours in order or more in order to uh, expand its range for the year. So I think this is an in, that's an interesting ongoing story. And obviously I translate that across into actually trading the Euro dollar. Yeah. So So, I would
0: say, so you 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 So people know he's looking at he's looking at this for reference, but it's the euro USD chart that he's actually trading.
2: Correct. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So we're we're looking at we're using the the dollar index as a reference point. Exactly. And then going off and actually trading the euro. So um, so what I'm looking at right now is, again, a weekly chart here. Uh, We've had a great run over the last, what, eight, nine months or no longer uh, since late September last year and uh, maybe it's time for another retracement We've been making what I call marginal new highs that we see on the weekly charts here for the euro I'd have loved to have seen it punch just a little bit higher but it just couldn't manage it and now we've started pulling back technically at the moment um if I just zoom out on the daily chart a little bit here for the euro dollar it's still within the the realms of possibility to turn back up it's technically we've not actually had a technical breakdown as yet but um, I am watching tentatively. I've got some position on at the moment, and um, we'll see if it does pull down, uh, pull back. But I must admit at the moment, if you look in relative terms, uh, where you know you look at the where the Federal Reserve is and where the US economy is, and then you compare it to the Eurozone, the US is, is outperforming. And so the, the, there's a structural argument here to say, well, we're seeing weakening data coming out of the Eurozone. And actually, in this past week, especially with those, some of that the GDP data last week, Drupal Goods, US is still performing okay and certainly in relatively quite far outperforming the Eurozone. Yeah. And
0: people, uh, you know, you have to remember that as bad as an economy can be, if it's relatively better than another economy, then exactly. it's doing well. And exactly. that's, I mean, that's the whole nature of why DXY moves the way it does because you're not judging the dollar in a vacuum, you're judging it versus a basket of other currencies, and yep. as long as I say it's the prettiest pig in the pen, then you gotta be long
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the for the foreseeable until, you know, it seems that way. We've got some more data, obviously lots of data coming out this week, but um but I do think that there's a there's a story here overall, um as I've been saying last time, this whole story of for the Euro and for the dollar that uh for the year they they're, they're fairly compressed ranges, and the potential to, to expand those ranges is there, which means that the euro to the downside could be back, potentially back below 105 at some I mean. point. I got to take a trip to Europe. Rick, don't call me when that happens. I miss
0: you know, I came to London a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was like, man, a couple of months earlier, this would have been a
2: 30% cheaper trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, K- the pound's done quite well. But um, it's either that, or, or at some point we're going to see the euro extend um, higher, and we'll see that dollar index break 100. But for the net, for the now, and the, it, over the near term, it looks that way. I know it's on the back of a, a short-term decline in euro-dollar here, and the dollar strengthening over this last week and a half, two weeks. But um, um, there just seems to be a building story going on here that, uh, the, that the US is in a better position currently than the eurozone, and and the UK, UK, we're probably about to put interest rates up uh, this week, but we're we're struggling with stagnation, stagflation. So um, uh, the pound looks potentially vulnerable by the end of the week. Yeah, totally agree. Any last thoughts before I let you go? Um, only thoughts I'd say, from a trading perspective, we're just coming into August. I think people. One piece of advice I'd always offer is uh, lower your expectations. We are going into the big summer month for for the Northern Hemisphere countries. And so lots of people are taking vacations. If you lower your expectations on what you're gonna achieve and what the markets may be doing through the month of August, if it outperforms, then it's a bonus. But at least then if it doesn't, if it, if the markets go choppy and don't do too much and volatility just um, dampens straight right down, Then you're not going to be crying into your handkerchief, uh, wondering what's going on. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Charlie. Always
0: uh, always appreciate your perspective. Have you back soon, everybody? Down the ways. All right, man. Thank you. All right, guys. That's it. Uh, Now I have to go talk about all this nonsense again, probably on Twitter Spaces. Kill me. Uh, Budgets, what the market uh, giveth, you you got to discuss it. I think that was in the Bible, actually. Uh, Scott, verse two seventeen. 69 420 anyways guys i'll be back tomorrow of course we got christopher inks always on wednesdays and yep that's about it see you guys tomorrow
2: peace